0: This ABA Journal podcast is brought to you by Westlaw Next, building on the strengths of Westlaw to bring you the next evolution of legal research. Their most significant innovation in 30 years, it's a complete research system that gives you confidence you've found the most relevant information. And it elevates productivity with intuitive workflow tools. Learn more at westlawnext.com. In some states... Testimonials are forbidden in attorney advertising. However, the rules were written long before anyone imagined clients would take it upon themselves to write attorney testimonials and post them on sites like Yelp and Avo. I'm Stephanie Francis Ward, and that's what we're discussing today at the ABA Journal Podcast. Joining me are A. Vincent Bissard, a former president of the New York State Bar Association and a partner with Harris Beach. Jamie Asani, an associate with Florida's Huntington and Williams, and Eric Goldman an associate professor at Santa Clara University School of Law, who also directs the school's high-tech law institute. Mr. Bissard, in February, you brought to the ABA House of Delegates' attention the issue of U.S. News and World Report ranking law firms. A big concern you had about that is the publication's methodology. Can you tell me, do you see sites like Yelp or Avvo, where consumers put in their own rankings or ratings of attorneys, as a better option?
1: No, I, I don't at all. AVO, for example, in their ranking or rating, don't take into account client comments. They do take into account attorney comments in doing their rating. But otherwise, it's just people talking and it's posted. And, of course, that's particularly so with Yelp. It's really apples and oranges. One of the problems with the U.S. News and Best Lawyers ranking and rating is that it it is so uh, dominant just like it is with law schools and colleges and that's why we the new york Bar, brought to the floor of the house and resolution calling for the study of the methodology used in doing the uh... rankings these individual comments i think they're great uh... they they have an enormous opportunity for harm and the underlying problem with any of such thing like this is do you have a statistically valid sample how was it selected and if three or four people write in and make devastating comments about a law firm or extravagantly praise them, then I suppose it may mean something, but it may mean that a law firm has its reputation damaged. So it's it's not a substitute.
0: On the other side of it, though, I mean, could you see where clients' comments might be good for potential clients to know who they're hiring? Is there a positive side to it, too, do you think? It's so
1: uncontrolled. I I don't know. I, I mean, anybody who doesn't hasn't had a dissatisfied client in however many years of practice probably hasn't really practiced. I mean, every, every, the nature of the practice is sometimes people don't get the result they want, particularly high risk areas like matrimonial, Of course, you always everybody's always unhappy. So. No, I mean it's a matter of free speech in terms of these sites doing it. There's, I don't suppose, any way to control it. Now, if you go to, if you take the next step and actually have the lawyer using those sites to tout their own ability, then I think that's a uh, that can be a real problem.
0: Ms. Asani, recently your law firm was one of eight that signed off on a filing to the Florida Supreme Court, noting that the state attorney advertising rules are too restrictive in the firm's opinions. Can you tell us a bit about Florida's rules on computer access communications and what the status of your filing is of the court?
2: Yes, well, the Florida Supreme Court in 2009 decided that attorney – Websites would now be subject to all of the general rules on advertising uh, that are applicable to Florida lawyers. And this raised a number of problems. First, the Florida Bar had not even proposed such a sweeping regulation of websites. And so the Florida Bar's amendment of its rule raised a number of problems, both in theory and in practice, both from the First Amendment perspective and from a Commerce Clause perspective, because these could apply to nationwide firms that simply had one or two Florida lawyers. From the First Amendment perspective, there is a tremendous amount of information on firm websites and other computer communications that isn't advertising. You know, Unlike a pamphlet or a letter that an attorney sends out, attempting to solicit clients, the websites have all sorts of information about particular attorneys, the firm's practice groups, firms use their websites to communicate regarding updates in the law, recent Supreme Court decisions, so there's a tremendous amount of information that simply isn't advertising. The Florida Supreme Court had adopted a rule over the objection of the Florida Bar The important thing is that the Florida Bar has gotten the Florida Supreme Court to stay the implementation of these new rules until three months after it ultimately rules, because the Florida Bar had moved to amend the rule that the Supreme Court had adopted. And then we filed a comment, eight large law firms back in August uh, filed a comment addressing primarily the First Amendment and commerce clause concerns as well as just the practical concerns for big law firms having to comply uh, with these new rules if they're applied to all websites the bar then moved to dismiss this action in october claiming um, that it had commissioned a study that would apply to all attorney advertising and it was going to petition the bar to amend the attorney advertising rules across the board, uh, not just the computer access information rules. The Supreme Court has granted the bar until July 5th to submit its proposed amendments to the rule. We have sent, the same law firms have sent a comment to the Florida Bar Review Committee Professional Ethics uh, regarding its proposed amendments to these rules. It will be meeting on March 24th but will not be accepting public comment. So we're hoping that they'll review our written comments. As I said, the Bar has until July 5th to propose a comprehensive amendment uh, to the rules and we submitted sort of a red line of proposed amendments to them that would address uh, some of our concerns. Okay,
0: Professor Goldman, from a practical perspective, is it realistic to think that attorney regulation groups can restrict online rating sites? Is that really doable?
3: Well, it depends on what the attorney regulators are trying to regulate. As uh, Mr. Boussard indicated, if we're talking about lawyers posting fake reviews of themselves, that may be fairly easy to regulate. I think the harder part is that we've seen a number of regulators, not just in the attorney context, who tried to reach out and regulate what I'll call, for lack of a better term, honest client testimonials. These are testimonials that clients have uh, chosen to post on these review sites, and the number of attorney regulators have taken the position that these client testimonials are the equivalent of attorney advertising. Many bar regulations don't distinguish between advertising and other types of communications that lawyers put out. They treat them as the same. And so the regulators look at the perspective of client testimonials in the same perspective. They're somehow tied to the attorney and therefore they must be regulated as if the attorney had spoken them. We've seen the same kind of phenomenon in the Securities and Exchange Commission rules. They've taken the position that issuers who link to an article have effectively ratified or endorsed the content of that article and are responsible for it. And we've seen in the context of the Federal Trade Commission, they've taken the position that if an advertiser goes and asks a blogger to write about their product, under certain circumstances, that's deemed advertising, and the FTC believes that the advertiser takes responsibility for the resulting blog post or comment that's posted by the advertiser's target. There are a number of limits on that, and let me just mention two quickly. One is the First Amendment uh, applies here. There may be limits on trying to treat one person as responsible for another person's content. There's also a statute that hasn't been well discussed in this area called 47 U.S.C. 230 that basically says, for lack of a better term, websites aren't liable for third-party content. And in now, a
0: that's the communication Decency Act, right?
3: That's that's correct. Okay. And. That law may very well limit the ability of attorney regulators to hold one party responsible for web content posted by another party, in this case, client testimonials.
1: Does it change the the equation any where the lawyer buys the site or it is actually a sponsor of the site where the comment's made? What is it, AVO?
0: Right, where you claim the site. Is that what you're speaking of? Yeah,
1: where you claim the site on AVO and then the comments can be made. In other words, the attorney then becomes the Kind of a de facto sponsor. Well,
3: so for example, an avo uh, attorney can claim his or her profile and can say, "That's, what that's I mean. yeah, that's that's me." Now, there can be a variety of content that's attached to that profile. Some of which are in the attorney's control, and some of which aren't. Something like client testimonials, if in fact they're the honest and true perspective of the client, it seems to me at that point treating them as the equivalent of attorney advertising runs afoul of a number of the concerns I just mentioned.
1: Even though the attorneys claim the site.
2: Correct. Right. This is Jamie Asani. I, I would agree with that from a First Amendment perspective. If I see that there's a site about me and and there's incorrect information on it, say say it says I practice 100% securities law when I say no, I, I don't practice securities law. I practice First Amendment law. So I go in to claim that site to change, you know, the scope of my practice i mean that that to me has to be first of all i'm not advertising and that's just truthful information that i'm communicating so if the bar wants to regulate that let's say directly if they want to re- regulate my communication directly as an attorney they would have to meet the strictest level of scrutiny
1: well the issue is is somewhat different in the area that i'm particularly involved in and that is the u.s news and and best lawyers and others of. Have- Uh, That sort, because while the bar obviously can't regulate U.S. News and Best Lawyers, certainly an open question about to what extent can regulators regulate what the lawyers say about it, and that's where the rubber meets the road, and why we're so passionately wanting the ABA to study the rankings, particularly by the dominant ones, to see if law firms can't even be ranked or rated, and then. If it turns out that they can't, or if it turns out that the methodology is fatally flawed on the ones that are there, then I we believe that will directly affect the extent to which lawyers can use those rankings in their own advertising, which right now they're doing extensively.
2: Right, and I would say the key uh, would be disclosures as to how does the site go about its rankings.
1: Well, yes, I know there are many people who say that, and the problem with it with that is. Unless you're a psychometrician or an econometrician or something of that sort, you can read the disclosure of how they do it. And unless you have the formulas and unless you know the weights, which are not disclosed, it all sounds fine. But unless you're an expert in the field, uh, one can't tell if it has validity. And as a part of our resolution at the ABA, we also ask that the ranking of uh, law schools be uh, law schools as opposed to law firms also be included, and they've already issued their report saying that what well, is pretty obvious, and that is it's extremely difficult to do, and let's see, it says the inherent difficulties in attempting to rank law schools and law firms in order of quantity or ability should serve as a warning to the organized buyer. So I, I know the conventional wisdom, and that's what's done in New Jersey as well. Just let the ranker or the rater say how they do it. Most people, consumers or lawyers, can't look at that and see if it has any validity. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: If a lawyer did misuse a rating site and wrote his or her own review and submitted it, wouldn't it be easier to prosecute and curb that sort of behavior than for an attorney who misused legal advertising that wasn't a non-online form? Because the trail wouldn't
2: be as easy to find, I would think. Well, if the attorney is posing as a client, you know, that could be viewed as, as a false statement. Discipline could be imposed when you're making a false statement. I mean, the First Amendment doesn't yeah. protect
1: false Yeah, statements. that's clear. That's very clear. The, anytime, anything that is uh, false or misleading stated by a lawyer, that's pretty easy.
0: Because my sense is, is that for a lot of the attorney regulation groups that don't want, really, that their members involved with these sites, that's their concern, is that people are going to write up their own reviews and post them. But it seems like if someone actually did that, it would be pretty easy to catch.
1: The related issue is what about getting your attorney buddies to, uh put of those sites that have attorney, fear, so-called fear reviews, getting your attorney buddies to write, uh, friends to write in and say what a great job they did. And then they, they, it's reciprocal and you do it for the other
0: one. I have a question for all of you. Do you think an ABA model rule on the topic of these online attorney ratings would be helpful, and if so, what should it say? Um, Professor Goldman, let's start with you.
3: Well, I tend to approach it from a pretty laissez-faire approach. I think the best thing the ABA model rules could do would be to communicate to all the state bars that they should be very precise about their efforts to regulate attorney rating sites and, uh, for the most part, just get out of the way. So, you know, if we needed something to clarify that attorneys posting their own uh, shell reviews uh, is impermissible, go ahead and say that. I don't think we really need those. We already discussed. It's pretty clear that would be impermissible under existing rules. But it would be really helpful for the ABA to come out and say that in general the starting principle is that attorneys aren't responsible for the words of their clients, and if clients choose to talk about them in the marketplace, that should be something we should be encouraging, not trying to put the attorneys on the hook for it.
0: Mr. Bussard, what do you think?
1: Well, again, my focus is more on the rankings and ratings that are also on site, but they're not these with clients. And yes, I think a model rule may ultimately be helpful, but I, the first issue in my particular area is uh, we can't frame the rule until we know whether or not these uh, rankings and ratings have any validity at all.
2: Ms. Asani, how about you? Well, I do think it would be helpful because it would allow attorneys to address all of their constitutional concerns sort of at the outset and perhaps not have to you know, fight these on a bar-by-bar basis, although that would be the ultimate result. And, you know, our primary goal would be to see that it's only truthful, non-misleading advertising um, that could be directly regulated. And to the extent that attorneys may be accused of posting anything on these sites that may be misleading, Um, one of the options that we've proposed is a takedown notice so that the bar would have to notify the attorney and then ask them to take down something that they, they find misleading.
0: I have a question for all of you. Generally, what is your sense of how most attorneys feel about participating in the rating sites? Are most attorneys aware of them and they're on it, or is it the other way and a lot of lawyers don't know about them or maybe don't want to be on them?
1: I would think it would be more consumer-oriented lawyers who would be more aware of them. One of the people involved testified before the 2020 commission. I think he said about 100,000 lawyers had claimed their site. So I think most lawyers, it hasn't risen to their radar screen, except those who, whom I say are more into consumer law. The bigger firms are the ones who are really more involved, I, I my judgment would be, with things like uh, Best Lawyers and U.S. News and that sort of thing.
2: Ms. Asani, what do you think? I would tend to agree with that. I think lawyers in the bigger firms aren't so aware of these consumer rating sites um, where they may become aware of them and may claim their profile without even realizing what what they're really doing. They may just want to make a, a change to something that they don't agree with. But for the most part, I'd say, lawyers at large firms are largely unaware of how many sites there are. How about you, Professor Goldman?
0: Uh,
3: So from my perspective, most attorneys instinctively have a negative reaction towards the idea of being reviewed by their customers. We're not used to it as attorneys. Uh, We're not used to actually having people talking about the quality of our services in an open public forum. So my general observation is that when lawyers start to realize that their customers are going to start reviewing them, um, they instinctively recoil uh, in horror. And I think we're going to have to work through that. I think that's part of our future. It's, a, it's the reality of today. And so we're going to have to uh, have that catharsis. If I can make a quick analogy, um, we're seeing some of the similar phenomena taking place in the medical community. There are all these doctor review sites, and doctors are freaking out about the idea that their patients might be reviewing them. And some doctors have been taking a very aggressive position, trying to squelch online reviews from their patients. They just don't want to hear it, and I think those doctors are ultimately going to uh, have either a major reconciliation with the modern economy, or they're going to get drummed out.
0: And Professor Goldman, for this next generation of consumers, or perhaps young adults consumers now, do you think that most of them will look to the Internet as their primary tool to evaluate the lawyers they want to hire?
3: If you look at what 's going on from a meta perspective we 're seeing the massive uh, swelling of entrepreneurship activity in creating online review sites and basically you pick your industry and there 's a niche online review site or more than one uh, that 's targeting that niche as well as there 's these general sites like Yelp that cover many different uh, industries and what we 've seen is that customers want to know more about the people that they 're going to be giving their money to, and in the doctor community i 'm doing some Work related to the efforts to suppress online reviews, and we're kind of baffled. People have more information about what restaurant they can choose than they do about the doctor that they choose, and something about that seems really backwards. So, as, as consumers get accustomed to getting the ability to uh, have some previewing information about who the right vendor is for them in the marketplace in restaurants and uh, with respect to consumer electronics. I think we have to acknowledge that that's going to come for professional services, and that includes us as lawyers.
0: All right. Thank you all so much for your time. I really appreciate it. This ABA Journal podcast was brought to you by Westlaw Next, building on the strengths of Westlaw to bring you the next evolution of legal research. Their most significant innovation in 30 years, it's a complete research system that gives you confidence you've found the most relevant information. And it elevates productivity with intuitive workflow tools. Learn more at westlawnnext.com.